Welcome to the Self-Interrogation Podcast. I'm your host, Uncle Coop, your favorite uncle's favorite uncle. And today's episode is a recording, a pre-recorded interview from back when a friend and I were going to start our own podcast together. It didn't quite work out, but the content was still there for the using. So uh, this is an interview of him sending me five questions to answer. And this came after I had interviewed him uh, with five questions. So decided to post this one first and then uh, follow this up later in the week with my questions that I had submitted to him. So this is labeled part two of one because uh, it is a two section interview that was supposed to be combined to one podcast episode. And on this, we discuss things or I answer questions regarding um, a range from LeBron James, Prince, blowing money and uh, life lessons. So enjoy. It's a long one. Uh, Come back to it soon if you have to take a break because it's worth listening to. And this is in its entirety, except for the original intro and outro, which have been edited, obviously, for this podcast. But thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy. All right. Here we go. Lambo's turn. Asking Coop five questions. Now, my questions are going to be, right off the bat, insanely better than the five that Coop asked me. My questions are going to be thought-provoking. My questions are going to make you pause, reflect. Might take you a day or two to answer these. So we're going to start. We're going to start with a whopper for the first one. Question number one, Coop. What do you know now that you wish you knew 15, 20 years ago? Lay it on me. You know what? We don't even have to go back 15 years. I wish I could take back the last 15 seconds. Because about 15 seconds ago, I realized that about 15 minutes ago, I didn't properly hit the record button. So, round two of question one. You'll never know if what I say now is what I said then. And that's part of the fun, right? So, if I could go back 15 years and know what I know now. I'm going to get straight to this. Keep it quick because I was way drawn out on my original answer. So there you go. What I said then is what I'll say now, only in an extremely shortened version. I wish I was smarter with my money. I wish I had known, which I should have known. This was common sense. $3 a day on a smoothie is wasteful. Um, Buying a tie every week is wasteful. I used to buy a smoothie every day at work. Tropical smoothie. It's great. If you haven't had one, you should go get one. One. Not one every day. Uh, one, one a week max. One a month, preferably. But um, I used to go every day for a break and get a tropical smoothie smoothie. Limey, limey. That's my flavor of choice. No pineapple substitute with mango. So, that flavor is excellent. Highly recommend it. Ties. 
I used to go once a week minimum to buy a tie. Me and my boss would go on a lunch break and we'd buy ties, uh, at least one. And um, it was one of those things where I loved having a new tie. I didn't wear a new tie anywhere except to work, and it was only for a stupid, useless conversation with, not conversation, uh, competition with my boss to see, hey, who's going to dress up the nicest this, uh, this week or tomorrow or whatever. And so because of that, I have two or three trash bags full of ties. You know, a cheap tie costs about 10 bucks. A decent tie costs about 20 so imagine how much money has been wasted on three trash bags full of ties. I wish I had been smarter. I wish I had known. Uh, on a more serious note, I wish I had known 15 years ago about the Internet being what it is today. I wish I had known that if I was making a YouTube video every day or some sort of social media post every day, not only would it better my communication skills, it would better my presenting skills, but it also it would make me a ton of money. So I wish I had known about the social media um, that was coming our way. I wish I had known about the marketing capabilities and just everything that you can do with the Internet. Um, and I guess you could say I wish I had known about all of the stupid mistakes that one can make in their relationships, um, mainly with their spouse, you know. Um, some things that you might say or do that you wish you could just take back to be a better husband or wife, you know, why not know about that 15 years in advance? I've only been married 12 years. It'll be actually... Uh, 13 years in less than a week. Um, my 13-year anniversary is this Sunday, April 30th. So I guess you could say I've only been married 13 years, but if I had known 15 years ago everything that is a part of being married, I'd be a better husband. I'd be a better father. But it's not saying I'm a bad husband or a bad father. I would just be better. So I think that's about it. Um, maybe the last thing I could throw in would be I would have done a little bit better on my education. Um, not that it gets people much further than, than I'm at now these days. I, I work with a lot of people that are much higher educated than I am. They've got bigger, better degrees. They have bigger, deeper student loans. And guess what? We do the same job at the same place. So maybe uh, maybe not. I don't know. Anyways, question number one, officially done. Let's get to the next one because that wasn't as deep and uh, hard-hitting as you made it seem like it was going to be, Nick. That intro had me thinking, oh, my God, I got to sit down, strap up, and get ready. These profound questions are coming my way. That was too easy. Try harder on this, number two. What you got? Question number two for you, Coop. As I promised, thought-provoking. Really, really going to make you think. Go to all the depths of your brain to answer these. 
question number two. Give me a movie and or musical album that 100% changed something about you, changed your belief on a certain topic, changed the way you look at the world, changed your outlook on life. Give me a movie and or a musical album that has done that to you in your lifetime. You know, what's so funny about this is <laughs> you're trying to be so deep, so serious. I mean, dude, it ain't that serious, man. We're talking about, like, earth-shaking, provoking questions. These are not that earth-shaking or provoking. Um, you're 0 for 2 right now. I came with what you said was four solid questions. You just didn't like my first one on you know, the aliens, or not aliens, what was it, uh, moon landings, but, you know, facts are going to come out on that, and they will be verified, uh, so anyways, we'll follow up on that in a couple of years, nonetheless, question number two, uh, a movie or album, I'm going to go ahead and knock this one out of the park with a clutch answer of Purple Rain. Okay, the movie and the album, Purple Rain by your boy Prince, is one of the greatest movies that most of these people listening have, have never watched. Purple Rain, the album, is one of the greatest albums most of these people have never listened to start to finish. Number of reasons. We'll start with the album. This is like... I mean, it's really just a perfect album, okay? There's a story, if you learn how to listen to music, you know, some people just don't know how to listen to music. There's a story to be told, and it comes to life, and then there's a movie that comes to life. Oh, man, how about that? Prince just proved his excellence when it comes to performance, not only in his musical talent, um, but his acting ability, I think he did pretty well in that movie for, I mean, I guess it's not that hard to act out yourself in your own, uh, role, but some people find it challenging, you know, some people don't even know how to act like themselves in their day-to-day lives, so, uh, give them props there. Um, I just think it's a great movie. It's a great album. He's a great musician. His talent is underrated. And as an adult, looking back and seeing, this was kind of like the Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair thing. As a, a youth, child, kid, whatever you want to call it, Michael Jackson was that guy, okay? You just couldn't get away from Michael Jackson as a kid, and you didn't want to. You know, he was just like king of pop, right? He's the, he's the greatest. But when you go back as an adult and you listen to Michael Jackson's music, which is great, not taking anything away from that, but then you compare that with Prince's music, it's not even close. Prince, his musical talent from his vocals to his musician uh, talent, musician, musical talent with playing instruments, 
Lord, I wish I could speak better. Um, he could do it all. And his stage presence, his performance. I mean, he got outdone, apparently, one time by uh, Michael Jackson. So, yeah, apparently Prince and Michael Jackson performed at some place back-to-back. And Michael Jackson just outdid him. And that was the last time that happened for the rest of either of their lives. So, I don't know how to really prove any of this. You know, unless you go back and dig up the archives on things. But it's hard to find Prince content online. Because he was very strict with what could get uh, put out uh, on when it comes to videos. You're not going to find too much when, in regards to Prince on YouTube. And... Um, Music just became readily available on all the streaming services. So there's a lot of people who've just not seen or heard a lot of Prince, so they don't know what they're missing. They don't know to appreciate that greatness. Um, what were my takeaways? One, you can have the ability to do music. You can have the ability to do acting. Um, you don't need to sell yourself on one thing that you're great at. Go be great at multiple things. Uh, another thing from Prince's life learn that you can have a crappy father and you can overcome okay one thing you always hear is boys need a father blah 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 they need their dad no they don't okay you don't need your dad to be a good man you don't need to learn from your father or see the examples you can look at what they did and be better sometimes the best thing you learn from a man is what not to be and I'm Looking at Prince's uh, childhood and father, he was a good example of what not to be in a man. But, of course, you only know this if you watch the movie. So, Purple Rain, go watch it. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Um, to the music part, what I learned is, I learned that Prince is better than Michael Jackson. From the stage... To the booth where the music's recorded, musical instruments, production, all around, Prince was better. He's not the best ever, but he was better than Michael Jackson. Let's get on to the next, because I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of good music out there. There's a lot of good movies out there, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm the type of person who gets life-changing things from either. Uh, I love music. I listen to a lot. I'm a one and done when it comes to movies. You know, I don't need to see a movie multiple times. I don't. I probably see it once. I don't ever need to see it again. I don't know that there's been any movie that's moved me to the point where I'm like, oh, I need to go see that again because that changed my life. That shaped my future. It's not out there. So, on to the next one. Question number three. Let me preface this question with uh, something that I observed last night. I'm sitting in my living room, just flipping through the channels, and uh, there is a community, a small town, uh, that 100% has dedicated their life to finding Bigfoot. So, Coop, Bigfoot, yay or nay, what do you think? 
thing. Not only is there Bigfoot, but there's multiple big, big feet. <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot's real. I mean, he's probably not what we think he is, or she, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much out there that we have no clue about in these jungles and forests. And, you know, one thing, if you look through the history of uh, our mankind existence, if these creatures of any sort have anything to learn, it's stay away from man. Man is the enemy. Man will find any reason to hunt you down, kill you, make you extinct, and that includes other men. Okay, um, so if I'm Bigfoot and I'm out there and I am observing from any distance and I see any sort of man, woman coming my way, I'm vacating the premises. I'm exiting stage left. I'm getting deeper into the woods or wherever it is I reside. I got to go. Okay. Um, but yeah, I believe in quote unquote Bigfoot. I just don't think that it's what we think it is, you know, I, it's not just like some man-ape mixture thing, I don't even know, I don't know, what do people actually think Bigfoot is, like, what is the expectation, if we could just run and find some kind of calling uh, device, you know, a, a signal to shoot up, or a sound that we can make in the woods, and Bigfoot's like, oh, that's my sign, I gotta go out and and talk to these people. Bigfoot strolls out. What are we truly expecting? Are we looking for, you know, a six-foot ape-type figure? Are we expecting an eight-foot, you know, mammoth creature? Or are we going to go with, like, a giant? A 12-foot man-beast giant that, you know, has just evaded us for all these decades and centuries and um, I, I don't even know what we're looking for really when it comes to Bigfoot now I'm a believer in a lot of things that most people don't believe in such as aliens uh, I'm a believer that in a period of time we used to have giants um, I don't know how big of a giant you know I do believe that there were people roaming the earth 10, 12 feet in large quantities. There's no reason to believe that that didn't happen, especially if you believe in dinosaurs, which how can you not believe in dinosaurs because we have scientific evidence of dinosaurs. Um, if we had lizard-style creatures of any uh, great size like that before, there's no reason that we couldn't have had giant-sized men women and so i do believe that because of that there's some remnants out there in the world um i think where the problem is is like society kind of thinks there's one bigfoot if, if there's only one bigfoot let me break the news that he's dead okay he died of old age if nothing else and then some other wild beast in the jungle or woods ate him up some birds flew down and chewed on his guts after it had been ripped apart. He's gone, if that's what we're thinking. Now, uh, if we're talking about multiple 
beast out there that we don't know. Yeah, they're out there. We just haven't nailed it down. Um, Loch Ness Monster. That's one that I believe there could be just one, and it'd still be out there. Because think of how long some of these uh, sea and oceanic creatures live. I mean, we're on over 100 years for several of these things, and um, there's no reason why the Loch Ness Monster can't be out there. So, yeah, man, I, I'm with Bigfoot. He or she, they are multiples. They are out there, uh, and they're smart. They see us coming, they get away. Okay, It's kind of like how I do with other people. I see other people, they want to communicate in person. They want to like hang out at my desk, hang out after work. No, I'm going somewhere else. I don't want to be around you. Thanks, but no thanks. I don't, I'm not signing up for the problems that you're causing. So good job, Bigfoot. Keep up the good work. You are the real MVP when it comes to hide and go seek. May you never be found. Question number four. Now, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a good one. And I have absolutely no idea what you're going to say. This is a good question because there's no politics involved. There's no opinions involved other than yours. And it's 100% correct, whatever you say. So the question is, what is the single most amazing thing that you yourself witnessed in person? I myself am thinking of probably about five to six things that I myself have witnessed live. I'm not going to peel back the curtain just yet until I hear your answer. Majority of them are sports related, thankfully. But, um, couple of them are not so i'm interested to hear what is the single most amazing thing could be positive could be negative could be a tragedy could be euphoric event that you have witnessed yourself live in person can't wait to hear your answer all right let's just start this off by saying most people who hear this answer will not believe me that's okay I don't care. I know what I saw. Uh, I've confirmed that others saw it as well. And so here we go. The most amazing thing that I have ever witnessed in person is the scariest thing I have ever witnessed in person. Um, and that is I, as a child, saw what I come to know as a demon or a ghost or some sort of spiritual being that did not appear to have good intent. And where did I see this? I saw this at home, sitting, standing, lunging. I don't know what it was doing. It was on our dining room table. So here's the thing. I'm sitting there with my mom. We're watching Mr. T. That takes you back a ways. You had to be somewhere in the 80s to be watching Mr. T on TV. So many of you may have not been around. I don't know. Um, we're watching Mr. T. And I look up, and I just see in the dining room this big, dark figure staring, looking at me, at us, whatever. And, um, I, you know, it's that moment of, am I seeing this for real type thing? You know, 
one of the things you always see in the movies is people immediately freak out. There's this immediate fear, this, like, run type deal. And, you know, it wasn't that. It was almost as if I needed to check to make sure I was awake, you know. So I, I turned to my mom and I, I asked her, do you see this? Are you seeing what I'm seeing in there? And she said, I just wanted to make sure you saw it before I said anything. And the moment of us both acknowledging at that point that this creature or being was staring at us from our dining room table, it, boom, vanished, gone. But it doesn't stop there. Because seconds later, my bedroom door, which you can see down the hall from our living room, slams shut there are only two of us in the house me and my mom so this there's no one else could have done this this is around 11 p.m at night um my father was working night shifts so he was not around um and so that right there those two events were enough so my mom gets up we go over to the bedroom door it's locked. It's not budging. Nothing. Um, so she stops trying to open the door and starts to pray. And from that moment, she stopped praying. The door just opened up. So there's a lot more that goes into that story after all of that. However, that's it. That series of events is the most miraculous thing I have ever seen with my own two eyes and been a part of I pray that I'm never a part of anything like that again um, so that that's it I again I don't expect people to believe that but it is one of those things that when you have seen and witnessed uh, something like that it will change your thinking of the supernatural um, creatures out there that we come to know as fiction or fantasy I am a firm believer that's it question number five and it's going to include most likely a homework project for yourself there's a term I'm going to lay on you that a lot of people out there don't know they've probably never heard of it but a good majority of things that occur on social media on the internet what have you revolve around creating the term that I'm about to drop on you and that term is outrage porn you might need to google the term so take your time answering this question but I would just like to get your thoughts on outrage porn I guess I got two main thoughts on this. One, it's brilliant if you are doing this for the sake of making money. And I'm hoping that's in an ethical way. Um, but just taking any thoughts of it right or wrong away. If you have figured out that causing outrage for others will drive traffic to your site, uh, bring awareness to an event or something that you are trying to um, 
to share with others. It's going to generate revenue for whatever it is, you know, clicks, ads, anything. It's brilliant. And the reason it's brilliant is because you have figured out that the average person is so stupid that they can't avoid doing exactly what it is you wanted them to do. You found the magical way to get them to click in and, you know, half-ass read whatever it is that you've posted. Uh, You've gotten them to engage in the comment section with other idiots who, most of which have no clue what they even read. They determined their uh, opinion or thought process before they even engaged in it. Um, so, I, I'm all for, you know, if that's if it's working for you, go for it, okay? On the flip side, if you're one of these idiots who gets outraged over these things, you, you, you're on the internet and you're finding things and it just puts you in a fury and you just can't help but rage out and get online and make comments and post, uh, you know, whatever it is these people do, I don't know. You, you need to get some help. That's really what it comes down to because your life is miserable if you can't avoid these type of things on the internet. Like, no one ever goes and forces people to engage online for their hobbies. You know, you're these are self-chosen actions. You're choosing to do this, so just stop, you know? And if you find that you can't stop, you have a problem. You have an addiction. You have a um, something that needs some intervention. So that's it. I don't have a lot to go on this one. It's like if it's working for you, it's getting a message across, it's getting the money you want or whatever. As long as you're not hurting someone else, no children were harmed in the making of this, uh, whatever it is you've made. Uh, no women were violated. No uh, feelings were hurt. I guess people who feelings get hurt. I don't know. That's, that's a whole different stuff, story. Anyways, that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I'm sure others, someone's right raging right now over this, <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to this. That's it. Surprise. Question number six. Bonus question that you just basically created on your own. Coop, why in the world do you hate LeBron James? What is there to hate? He is a great ambassador of the sport. He is a great role model to kids, young men, everywhere in the world, where does your hatred for LeBron James come from? Please answer that. First things first, I have never said I hate LeBron James, okay? LeBron James is a good man, as far as I know. Now, we always come to find out what we know about people is not what we, not what we thought it was, but from what we know... From the time he was introduced on the scene up until today, May 10th, 2018, LeBron James is a good man. LeBron James is a hard worker. He has put forth every effort that one would require to become excellent, to become the expert at what he does. Congrats to him. Okay. Now, 
on the flip of that, LeBron James is not better than Michael Jordan. LeBron James is slightly better than Kobe Bryant. Um, but LeBron James is without a doubt the best player in the NBA today and the best player to be in the NBA since he entered the NBA. No doubt. Even when he wasn't winning um, those first couple years with Cleveland, I guess he was still winning then too, when you think about it. But nonetheless, he's great. Okay? He's excellent. However, he has his flaws, like we all do, that will drive me insane. Let me give you a couple examples. One, this man's ability to beg for praise is uncanny, okay? Please, call me King, King James. I mean, that's from the start, way early, okay? Um, you, you can't anoint yourself King. He did. It's fine. He's proven he's able to live up to that. The social media post, like... Let me be the first to congratulate you, King. I'm going to tell you how great you are talking to his childhood self. Hey, guess what? Shut up, okay? Your childhood self, he's not going to reply back to your Instagram post, okay? It's over. Stop, okay? He's always looking for validation, okay? You don't need to be validated. We know you're the greatest today. We know you've been the greatest since you came in the league you don't need everybody to tell you you're the greatest. Because guess what? Everybody already does. Okay, There is no shortage, except for Skip Bayless, <laughs> there's no shortage of media praising LeBron James. There's no shortage of age you know, 10 to 25-year-olds. They're all out there praising LeBron James like he's the greatest thing since Michael Jordan. And rightfully so. Okay? Now, some other things. LeBron is definitely basketball intelligent, but he is mentally weak. At least he used to be. I believe he's gone past that. Okay, But there were a lot of stages in his career in games. He was too passive. He was mentally weak. He was not ready for the big moments, and so he deflected. He deferred to somebody else in what would be the wrong times or... You know, let's just go back to one of the series against the Bulls. We've got LeBron James against Derrick Rose. He's got the ball. He's driving in. All he has to do is keep going. And what's he do? He stops and fades away against a smaller point guard. Of course he missed a shot. He was supposed to because he did the wrong thing. Things like that, okay? It's like he just made some bad decisions back then. Um, Then there's the the decision, okay, you know, I'm chasing a ring by teaming up with other people. Now, I didn't really care back then, just like I don't care that uh, Kevin Durant did it now, okay. However, the fact that he did it and now wants to portray that he didn't, you know, he, he somehow thinks it's different than what Kevin Durant did. No, no, no. It's You started this uh, – at least you put it on a new level that players are uh, they're controlling things again as they should owners control enough management controls enough um, but LeBron has this way of trying to manipulate the narrative it just drives me crazy okay 
But again, it doesn't mean I hate LeBron. I'm not a Cavs fan by any means. And I don't want LeBron going to any of my favorite teams. So, back in October, while everyone was still saying the 76ers are trash, I was saying 76ers is my team for the future, okay? So, before they got on this win streak, before they started doing well in the playoffs, you go, they just got eliminated. But I claimed them. Now everybody's like, all they need is LeBron James. No, stay away, okay? LeBron is polarizing to players. If you don't understand how, let me give you an example, okay? They build teams around LeBron, and they are built for LeBron's success, and that's perfectly fine. But as soon as he steps away, because he is the the cornerstone, the centerpiece of that team, it falls apart. So naturally, whatever you've built, as soon as you remove him, it crumbles. You can look at Cleveland, you can look at Miami, and you'll see this again if he leaves Cleveland again. Okay, If he leaves Cleveland, I don't want him going somewhere where they've taken the time to build up a team, and then they're going to have to alter everything to shift it just to fit LeBron. And if it, it's looking like it's not going to matter because he's not getting any more rings as long as Houston and Golden State are the way they are, unless he goes to Houston or Golden State. That I don't see happening. So the assumption is he wants to go to somewhere like L.A., Go to L.A., that's fine. They're trash. You can stay trash. Maybe he can help them. They're not winning a championship. But don't come to Philadelphia. And uh, that's really the only team I don't want him to go to. And the Rockets. You know, that would be a little weird to see. Um, But polarizing. When I talk about polarizing in-game play, you're not a point guard. This is why you lost your point guard. Because... LeBron wants to control the ball, okay? LeBron wants to be the guy bringing the ball up court and, you know, let's run everything around LeBron. That becomes polarizing. Players can't do their thing, and they like to push this idea that, well, he gets everyone involved early so that they can get in a rhythm. Well, that's useless if you're getting everyone involved early just so you can, you know, isolate yourself later. Well, by then, they're, they're getting cold, okay? And then as soon as you decided to defer or deflect someone else again because you're not man enough to take the big shot and they miss, well, then it's, the narrative is, hey, his teammates let him down. It's just, it's a mess. Then there's the flopping, okay? Let's go back to Miami flops. All of that flopping made me lose the ultimate respect for LeBron, okay? If you don't know what the flopping was, Go watch any of the series uh, while LeBron James played in Miami. His ability to flop and act like he was, like, destroyed, it's uncanny. It's epic. And it's just ridiculous. This man is a specimen of an athlete, okay? And he still does this today, but not to the extreme that he did. But this guy, (coughs) 260, the ultimate build for a basketball player, a football player, a rugby player. Um, You can't build a better athlete size and strength-wise than LeBron James. Just, 
He is what you want in an athlete. But then he's always hurt. He's it's like how are you so weak with that strength? It, it, like carry me off the court if I hurt my ankle. Oh poor me. Oh my knee hurts. Oh I got a flop. I got hit by a hundred and eighty pound point guard and here I am flopping around like they were three hundred twenty pound center. It's just oh it's so annoying. I, Things like that drive me crazy with LeBron James. But again, I don't hate LeBron James. I respect what he's done. I respect what he's going to do in the future. He's, he's, he's great. But he's no Jordan. He is mentally weak. And uh, that's really about it. All right, that concludes the interview of uh, Uncle Coop with... Uh, my buddy Lambo, and I thank you for listening. If you made it all the way through, uh, come back soon for part one of the original episode. It's going to probably come out in about three or four days later this week. But uh, it's your host, Uncle Coop, your favorite uncle's favorite uncle. And yes, I am a real uncle. We'll talk to you again soon.